We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, we are joined by, I think what I would call a true Notre Dame renaissance man. He's a former Notre Dame baseball player. He's chuckling at me already. He's also an author, and he currently works at Notre Dame in the transition program as the transition program director in academic services for student athletes at Notre Dame. That is a long title, but uh, he comes from also what I consider to be the first family of, of college baseball. Nick Maneri. Nick, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Absolutely. It's great to see you as well. Tell me about, first of all, the transition program director in academic services. What what does that entail for you? Yeah. Um, so I, I work in academic services for student athletes, which is an academic unit on campus that works exclusively with student athletes um, and um, work with great people in here, Pat Holmes, Adam Sargent. I know you probably know some, know some of them. Right. Um, my, my role specifically, I direct what are called our transition programs. And most specifically, that's our summer bridge program, where we have a good portion of student athletes, incoming student athletes, first year student athletes who will start school in June. Um, and, and as sort of a sort of a way to sort of learn the way around campus, start taking classes, learn about resources, participate in summer workouts, those kinds of things. And then I also work very closely with um, with the early enrollees, all the all the guys that come in in, in January, um, guys and gals. And um, uh, most of my role is spent spent uh, thinking actively and creatively with first year student athletes as they're trying to map out their their time here. Interesting. So other than the coaches of those, you know, the, those sports that those student athletes are with you're you're kind of one of the first people that they uh, really sort of get acquainted with once once they're here at Notre Dame it sounds yeah like. once they you know once 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 you know they've been recruited and once they've decided this is where they're coming and I I start getting involved in the in the months before they get here and I bother okay. with a lot of emails and phone calls and things like that yeah. okay interesting <laughs> so you know we were catching up a little bit right before we started this interview but I, I was kind of thinking about this this morning getting ready for this. It's been about a year since we saw each other in person. And, the, and that was when your dad, Paul, and his 2002 Notre Dame College World Series team came to town for that 20th anniversary last year. And you know, again, it spurred me thinking a little bit. You were in high school that season, 2002. You weren't a Notre Dame student yet. So what was it like for you at that reunion a year ago, you know, kind of catching up 
with some of those guys at that. Yeah, reunion. yeah, that's right. That is that is the last time we saw each other. That was a really fun weekend when all those guys. Were it back. was. That was cool. Um, yeah, that was my senior year of high school, um, and I mean for for me it was a you know it was a, it was a family affair. It was an exciting thing, and I, you know, since I was four years old, probably I'd been around my dad's teams. You know, I grew up in the in the dugouts uh, with him. And, uh, and so I always had guys on his teams that, that I considered friends or mentors or like guys that I really liked, you know, so just hanging around him. And then, and then by the time I was 18 or so, you know, there were guys that I'd become friendly with on the team. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, a couple of years later, I, I, I was teammates with some of those guys. Um, but, uh, but I knew them all pretty well, you know, and, um, and if I ever had the chance to come over to practice and things like that, I was always over here just trying to spend as much time sure. around my dad and the, and the team as possible. So it was always really, you know, it was really exciting. And then seeing those guys again, I, some of them I hadn't seen in a long time, you know, so it was neat just to kind of reconnect with people and hear what they've been doing with their lives and meet their families and all that kind of thing. I remember your dad used to talk about when he was a kid, when your grandpa Doc was was coaching yeah. that your your dad's guy that he was attached to was Bucky Dent back before Bucky Dent was Bucky Dent you know hitting the home run against the Yanks you know the uh, the the Red Sox for the Yankees and all that kind of stuff did you have your version of Bucky Dent I guess when oh when yeah you were a kid? I, on on all the teams I had different guys you know I when I was uh shoot I, I'm trying to remember how how old I was when I was in elementary school my guy was was Randall Brooks I don't know if you remember Randall Brooks who Remember the name, but he was before my time here. Yeah, yeah, he played second base on on my dad's first teams here at at Notre Dame. And I always really loved loved watching him play. And whenever I got to go, you know, my dad was always so good. He'd always try to bring me on trips whenever he could, even when I was a kid, you know. And so Randy Brooks was always the guy I wanted to talk to in the airports as we were walking to the plane (laughs) stuff, you know. And, 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 you know, when you look back on it, you think, oh, I was like an annoying little kid just walking around and bothering everybody. But everybody was always so good to me. People... People I'm were sure. always much better to me than they, they probably should have been. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, that, that Omaha team in 2002, it was, you know, your dad, of course, went on to, to lead LSU to a national championship and multiple college world series, but that was his first. And he's talked about how special that was his his first, like, like for you, are there any particular sort of memories, moments that, that stand out to you from that 2002? Well, you know, that, that year, I mean, it was a really remarkable year, you know, when you, when you follow it, they had gotten off to such a slow start and then turned the corner in really dramatic fashion once the conference play had started. And, um, and then going into the, going into the postseason, you know, I, I, I was still in high school, so I wasn't present for, for all of it, you know, but um, there was so much that happened at the end of that year, winning the, winning the conference tournament for the first right. time going through the regional, going down to Florida state, you know, and then at the same time within my family, my, my, um, my grandfather, my, my mom's dad uh, was, was dying at the, at that time. And so he passed away right in the middle of all of that. So it was a very, it was a big confluence of just really emotional things happening. Um, But then I, then I remember being out in Omaha and, you know, in my, I was 18, my brother, Tommy was seven. And I remember walking around, Rosenblatt stadium with my dad before, before one of the games in the outfield and just kind of taking in the, taking in the, uh, the, the sights and sounds and everything. And just really kind of 
my dad's always been very good about in those big moments, making sure that people kind of stop and appreciate what's happening around them, you know? Right. And, uh, and that's one of those, that's one of those moments I really remember. Our next partner is athletic greens. I take AG one by athletic greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash irish. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, and I'm going to get to the, you know, to the, sort of the big reason, I promise, you know, that that I had you on, you know, because it's it's something that, that you read. But I mean, all of this is bringing back a lot of things as well. But it just makes me think back to, you know, some of those moments like when your brother, you're, you know, like your brother, Tommy, who you mentioned, he's what, in his late 20s now. He's mm-hmm. Jesse's age. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, like the, everyone's, we're, we're all a little bit older now, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, I can, you know, there, there are just days I remember where like you're on the team and, and Tommy's just a couple years older than that. And he's in and out of the dugout, you know, in the clubhouse doing his thing. And, you know, I'm like going in to sit down to record your dad's pregame interview. And, and there's your grandpa, you know, sitting in the yeah. corner, the sage, you know, wisdom of, of Doc Maneri. It And, you know, your, your sister's, you know, they were, you know, a, a part of that when, when they were younger, obviously, as well. And it's it's always been just such a family affair with, with the Maneris when it when it comes to even even those days of the game. Yeah, I, that's true, you know, and, and I think we were always conscious of that when we were young and my and both of my parents always worked so hard to make sure that the family was involved in, in those things. You know, the life of a coach is so busy and, and there's so much travel and 
and you know that when you're when you're a kid you're sharing you, you know your your parents time with other kids you know that they're that they're yeah. working with um but it's but it's it's something that i always appreciated but i've i've come to appreciate even more now that i'm older and i have a kid i have a boy who's going to be 8 this week actually and Man. and i think about you know, I think about everything that my parents used to do and my dad used to do in order to make sure that we were part of his his life around the team. Right. And just how, you know, how 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 I don't know that it was challenging for him, but there's just so much there's so much that you're always thinking about. And then to also be involving everybody at the same time, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's what he wanted to be doing. But um, but it puts it in a new perspective for me now. I bet thinking, thinking about just how much you have going on and yet also still managing to to, to make sure you're present to your family and that they're around. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I have buried the lead a little bit because, <laughs> you know, again, that's the okay. reason I asked you to come on today is this article that you wrote recently yeah. for Notre Dame magazine. And it's an, it's an excellent piece. And so like for our, our listeners, viewers, it's uh, just go to the Notre Dame magazine website is, uh, do you know the website? Off the yeah. Top you just go to uh, magazine.nd.edu. Okay. Okay. So we follow each other on Twitter and I don't see you tweet a lot of links to different things, but then I saw you tweet this link and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check this out. If he's going to link, it's got to be worth checking out. And it's titled extra innings. Here's what can happen when grownups aren't ready for the playing days to be over. And here's how it starts out. I'm going to read the, uh, like the first paragraph or so from okay. this, maybe first couple paragraphs. Okay. So you'll have to bear with me here. Go for it. No, better you than me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Studebaker Larks red jersey stand out against the winter yellow grass of the public ballpark, a rugged, bad hop afflicted surface on the western outskirts of South Bend, Indiana, not far from the gravel pits of Bendix Drive and the city's small airport. Jet engines burble in gray sky, and the day is getting colder by the minute. The South Shore Liners, the Larks' opponent, huddle in foul territory. Back-to-back -back league champs, the Liners have an adversarial regard for punctuality. Larks manager John Pinter hooks his fingers in the chain link fronting the dugout. Second baseman Jay Campanigro rakes the damp clay with his spikes. I hope I said that right. First baseman Milt Lee hollers at the Liners. Are we playing mini baseball today? Liners player manager Mike Hebler hollers back, I'm finishing my speech, Milt. It is May 1st, 2022, opening day of the Sappy Moffitt Baseball League. So that's how this article starts out. Excellent, by the way. And you had me hooked, you know, because like I, I, I'm reading this. One thing that stood out, though, is like none of the liners could have played for your dad, of course, because, you know, the punctuality thing alone would have gotten them kicked <laughs> off the team, I think, or at least suspended for a little while. <laughs> but second, I was hooked, you know, for the rest of what, three, four, five thousand words. It's it, you know, it's it's fairly lengthy. I don't know. Which, do you know what the word count ended up? I think it's about forty five hundred words. Forty five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. So the descriptiveness that you have, though, and I remember that from your novel, The Infinite, that you released a few years back as well. You know, it's like that descriptiveness. It, first of all, is that just something that came naturally to you? Is, is that something, you know, you really had to work to develop? You know, because I feel like I could easily hear James Earl Jones, you know, like narrating the Field of Dreams speech and those words 
coming out of his mouth. You know? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The, 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 you know, my, my, my style of from writing fiction or nonfiction, it tends to be really narrative driven, right. And, and, and descriptive and setting is really important. Um, and I don't know why, I mean, it's always the kinds of things that I like to read. And I think my, you know, little mental weirdness and how I sort of see stories <laughs> in my head, it tends to be cinematic in that way. Or um, when I see little details, it's, it's how, how can I describe that? You know, and, and those are always the things that have made stories come alive for me. It's, it's not the same for everybody, you know, but that's sure. just, that's just where it ends up being for me. Um, uh, uh, is in those physical, yeah, those physical details. So the Sappy Moffat League, you know, yeah. first of all, you know, it's like Sappy Moffat, like a great name, um, yeah. but a former teammate of yours who was on that 2002 College World Series Steve, team, Steve Solman, yeah. he, he's playing in this league. It is, a, it is an adult wood league, uh, wooden bat baseball league. Yeah. And so I was telling Jesse about you guys playing in this league and – he had the same reaction that you had, I think, when Solman, you know, tries to convince you to play in this league. He's like, what are these guys doing in this league? Yeah. Why, why are they doing this? So, so Steve, so, so Steve, <laughs> I, I don't know that Steve ever really was trying to convince me to do it. He was, okay, he was okay. you know, he was just like, he hey, was this just is telling thing. you about it. Okay. Yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> and he, he first, so, he, so I'll back up a little bit. So Steve, we, we need to be clear. Steve Solomon is one of the greatest players in Notre Dame baseball history. He is. There's, you know, there's, there's inarguably. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and I, and I, I was a career reservist, you know, I spent a lot of time in the bullpen warming guys up, you know, so, so very different, very different Notre Dame careers. Um, but, uh, but that's one of the things that kind of shocked me about it when Steve started telling me about it is like, why, Steve, what are you, what are you doing? Like, if this is not, this is, this is not something that appeals to me, why on earth would it appeal to you? You play professional I envision, baseball. You know, like the end of the end of eight men out where shoeless Joe is, you know, like playing in the, you know, the, the, the league that nobody's heard of and that kind of thing, yeah. you know, no so offense, the, but you know, that's no, like. so, the, so the sappy, the sappy Moffat league has existed for 10, 10 years. Okay. And the two guys have founded it. Um, one of them is named Matthew Inslee. And Matthew, Matthew is the chief sustainable farmer at St. Mary's College. And the other one is Mike Hebler, who you mentioned in that in that opening. And Mike works in the Center for Social Concerns. He's a he's a teacher. He's a writer. He's an artist. And he directs or manages um, Notre Dame's education and prison programs. And so and so if you think about these two guys, one a farmer and one an educator who works in these very unique environments, try to imagine a baseball league that is designed by by two guys with that value set. And then you get start getting closer to what the Sappy Moffat League is, you know? Right. Um, so so Mike Hebler and Steve Solman were high school teammates in Cincinnati. Okay. Okay. And so that, that's originally where the connection comes from there. But when I, when I moved back to South Bend about five and a half years ago, and Steve and I were catching up, he said, hey, I've got, there's something that I'm involved with here that you might find pretty interesting. And he started telling me about this. And at first I was like, no, I'm not, <laughs> I, you know, because, because when you hear about an adult baseball league, you start thinking of guys taking themselves too seriously, you, you right. know, all this, like, what would be the points? Come on. We turned the page a long time ago. Right. And, uh, and Steve was laughing and he was like, I, I understand why you say that. He said, but this is, this is not exactly that kind of thing. And if it was, I wouldn't be interested pretty much. And, and so then I started learning more about it. It still took me a few years before I, before I gave it a whirl, but, um, uh, 
But you know, one of the one of the things that doesn't make it into the article, for instance, is is um, the, and this was kind of the first thing that drew me to the to the league is is that every summer a group of guys from this league they partner with the Moreau College Initiative, which is Holy Cross's uh, degree program that's run out of Westville Correctional Prison, okay. State Prison, west of South Bend. They go and play a baseball game in the in the prison against really in the against the students in that in that degree program. Okay. I'd heard about that from Steve and I, that was the first thing that kind of clued me into, oh, this is something different than guys just trying to relive the glory, relive days, glory. you yeah. know? And, um, and then I started learning about some of the other things that they do and their main sort of, you know, it's sort of a, it's sort of like a civic and social club as much as it is a baseball league. And, and the main sort of thrust of the league is this project called the Foundry Field Project. Right. Where they're where they're building. I'm a, glad you got us in there because that's yeah, that's, that's the crux of your article as well. Yeah, so. and we'll and, and, and we'll talk we'll talk more about that. I'm sure. Um, right. But you know, Steve Steve and I joke. I, I so last summer was my first full summer doing it with the with the Sappy Mafia League, and it was just so fun. You know, it's 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 not about winning. It's not you know, you maybe you're trying to have fun with yourself or whatever, and you have to sort of actively resist those naturally competitive impulses that come up. Um, but I, I just had so much, Steve played shortstop and I played second base and we just look at each other and laugh, you know, constantly during the games. <laughs> and he, I remember him saying to me one day, he's like every, you know, every week he's like, I, you know, he's, he's a couple years older than I am. I'm, I'm just about to turn 40. Uh, you know, I haven't stayed in the best shape, you know, and I, and like every week you're, you're starting to get ready and you're like, oh, why am I, why am I doing this? And then you get, <laughs> and then you get out there and you just have so much fun. And, it, and it's as much about like being there with with other guys and and or and and there are women in the league too just being there with everybody and and playing a game together it's as much about having the beer after the game you know with right. everybody and just kind of right. connecting in a different space of playing a game that that people leave behind when they're very young you yeah, know absolutely and you know one of the things about the specifics of how the games are played no curveballs and <laughs> the pitchers are basically there to facilitate the hitters sort of putting the ball in play. You know, it's, it's like a, a notch above slow pitch softball. It sounds, you know, it's like get yeah. the ball over the plate and, you know, just let guys try to hit the ball. Yeah. You got to, you know, it's, 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 it's regular pitching. You just can't throw any off speed stuff. So, so you gotta, you gotta have somebody that can, that can throw strikes and you gotta have somebody that can put enough on it to keep it, keep it straight, you know? Um, uh, and uh and so it's it's but they're from the mound, you know, so it's meant to be like a like a batting practice fastball. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, it's fun. But the foundry field aspect of this is, you know, again, that's that's like the crux of, mm -hmm. of what you're writing about. You got into it with the sort of minutia and the, you know, the details of of you and the other guys who play in this league. But foundry field, as you wrote a quest to bring a quality and publicly accessible ballpark to a baseball-less city neighborhood. So ex expand on that part of it, if you will. Yeah, sure. So the, so the location is in Southeast um, Neighborhood Community Park. It's, it's on Wanger Street and High Street in South Bend, kind of right off Sample, right next to the Boys and Girls Club. Um, and there's a, there's a big empty field there in that park. And the idea really originated with Matthew Inslee passing by that area years ago and thinking like, oh, this looks like a perfect spot for a baseball park, you know, just sort of like a romantic vision of, of where a baseball park would be. And over time, the ideas developed 
Um, and, and a lot of the other people in the league are involved in youth athletics in South Bend. Milt Lee, who you mentioned, who's, who plays for the Larks. Yep. is um i know him from way back yep. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's, he's k through 12 athletic director for south bend schools right um all kinds of folks involved with the with the league and so this this project really my understanding is the project really started um gaining some steam in the, the couple years before the pandemic and then it really stalled with the pandemic sure but they had started raising money had started outlining it they'd met with the southeast uh southeast organized area residents they have a really great community of, of, of neighbors um, that are really sort of engaged in that area. Met with the Boys and Girls Club, South Bend Schools, every, everybody trying to get this, trying to get this project going. And then last year, coming out of the pandemic, they really sort of um, tried to put the pedal to the metal and, and get it going. And they, they, uh, you know, with the community, they got a lot of people involved. Um, it became, it wasn't called Foundry Field until last year. That, that, okay. name emer- that name emerged as they started thinking with the South Bend History Museum and the right. Center for uh, Civil Rights Heritage. Um, uh, and they started looking at baseball history in South Bend and discovering some things that that are really, I don't know how commonly these things are known about, about South Bend, but South Bend has a really vibrant baseball history um, particularly when you start looking at the history of factory league baseball in South mm-hmm. Bend. And so Foundry Field, that name comes from a team called the Foundry Giants that played in South Bend. They were Foundry workers. It was an all-black team in the Studebaker company um, that were playing in, in a league that was primarily white, um, that had former and on their way to being uh, Negro League stars. Um, there were a lot of guys that played on that team that became really important um, civic figures in South Bend. Um, and, and in addition to that, you know, this, I think this project is meant to, well, it's meant to do a few things. You know, this neighborhood is, is like a lot of other neighborhoods in our country where kids don't necessarily get exposed to the game of baseball. Um, so there's an opportunity here for there to be a place where there's a quality publicly available baseball field where, where kids can be exposed to baseball. So I know Mm -hmm. that the you know, it's going to be right next to the Boys and Girls Club. They'll be able to use it. Riley High School's right down the, down the street. Other other things that other groups that might be able to use the field. Um, and who knows what what might come might might come from that. But part of it also is this this idea that the field can become a space for storytelling and remembering history and memorializing things, but also kind of creating new baseball stories for South Bend. Um, so one of the neatest aspects of the project, I think, is that. Um, the the outfield wall, the left field wall, um, right in front of where the where the train goes by, is going to have a series of murals on it. Okay. And so the and so the first the first mural, and they're going to basically tell the stories of you know sort of forgotten South Bend baseball legacies. And so the first mural, they're going to there's an artist um, named Tom, uh, Detour is his, is his artist name, uh, um, who's who's coming to South Bend next month in about a month. To start working on the first mural and he, he's going to be working with the boys and girls club and with riley high school and with um students from notre dame uh and he's going to be doing a mural of the foundry giants that'll be the first one and they've got five or six other murals that are planned and they've been discovering through research that notre dame faculty and students are doing through people that people in the community are doing other teams you know there's a potawatomi baseball team that they've been oh, looking wow. at from okay. the early 1900s there's there's um there's some different women's teams, 
you know, an all, a, a, a black female softball team that kind of barnstormed around. So they've been finding a lot of neat stuff and things that become that can become um, stories that are told and memorialized at this place. Yeah, so there's, it, there's almost as much of a museum aspect to it as as the actual playing of baseball and, and access to baseball itself, it sounds like. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And what I what I like about it um, is the idea that like the game of baseball becomes something that connects people to the past and the future, that it that it that it helps generate connection, um, that it that it this field can become sort of this this magical space where people can learn things about themselves and their communities and about and and can discuss the future that they want to have together. Um and I just like that baseball can fit into things in that way. You know, it, when you, when you, when you grow up in a baseball family, right. Where, where, as you, you mentioned, my grandfather, Doc Maneri, and then my dad, right. They're coaches and my family's livelihood for generations depended on wins and losses essentially. Right. And that's, that's not why they became coaches because they wanted to win games. They became coaches for, for other reasons. They wanted to impact sure. people, but, but, Baseball is a baseball is a game where, you know, the longer you stick with it, right? It, it, it the, the the primary reasons you're in it are are, are to win games, right? Or to um, to not lose games, um, right? Um, and then when you look at youth baseball all across America, the things that are privileged are, you know, how do I get the most exposure for for future opportunities? Who's going to develop me the best? How do I get on the best travel team? How do I, I say travel baseball? Yeah, yeah. and and so. We kind of, I have a sense that I think we've kind of lost, we've lost baseball as a thing that can be a, a recreation or a thing for kids to have fun doing or for people generally to have fun doing yeah. it. It, it. It occupies all these other, all these other sort of um, well, grimmer spaces. And you mentioned how there's no city-sponsored rec leagues in, in South Bend, mm -hmm. like the city I grew up in, much, you know, a fraction of the size of South Bend. But we had, a, like, all of our sports when we were growing up, basketball, baseball, football, you know, all of it, it was through the city parks and rec department. And they were pretty big leagues, you know, especially considering it was a town of, you know, around 35, 40,000, something like that. But the fact that you don't have that kind of access in a city the size of South Bend I guess kind of speaks to the need for something like this. Yeah. And, and that's not, that's not unique to South Bend. I mean, that's no, that's not at all. all. It's you know, where that's, we are now. Yeah. yeah. That's true all over the country. And I mean, you can kind of, you can kind of understand it, you know, I mean, the, 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 you know, anytime, anytime that, um, anytime that, that, that money is involved in, in the develop, you know, youth sport, I think it's like a $19 billion industry on a yearly basis now in America, right? Not mm -hmm. just baseball, but every, but every sport. And so when you have these models that are run by, you know, pe people figure out how to make a buck by selling a dream in really desperate marketplaces, That's you know, very true. Yes. and, and so, um, and so when money is involved, we just naturally gravitate towards these more efficient, things right so so baseball leagues started to to be modeled on that how do we get the most out of it how do we as as players as families how do we get people to pay the most money for it and what gets what gets squeezed out is everybody that might be coming to baseball for a different reason you know they're just there are a lot of different ways 
to, to come to the game of baseball. There are a lot of different ways to love the game of baseball, but, but baseball top to bottom has not been a really good place for, for, for appreciating or privileging all those other ways of loving the game. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you look at where using you know, Major League Baseball as the example that just the the demographic of the fan of baseball, it's getting older every year. And part of it, I think a big part of it has to do with what you're talking about. You're, you're, you're not going to have, you know, these, if you don't grow up with at least some involvement in baseball, the odds are you're not going to be right. you know, a baseball fan by the time you're an adult. And that's, you know, yeah. I think that that's, that that's part of that gap right now that, that baseball has. Yeah. How would you, how would you ever learn about it? You know, there's mm -hmm. this is in the this is in the article and it was such a great moment. And I was very lucky to have been there and, and, and witnessed it. Um, but last summer at the Foundry Field location, the, the, the Savvy Moffitt Field Foundation guys, the neighborhood, other other individuals were there to sort of have a, a formal announcement of the of the project. Right. And they. Um, the sun was going down, you know, it was a nice summer night. And they had put out in the grass a home plate and they had lined the foul lines to show people where it would be. They had the, the, the drawings of what the stadium will look like on an easel. Um, different speakers kind of talked about what the project would be. And it was, it was really neat to be able to kind of visualize it. And while everybody is standing around, there's a little boy from the neighborhood who, who kind of just quietly right. sidles up to the plate and takes a phantom swing and starts running the bases and, and, and not many people notice him until he's almost, almost home. And then everybody kind of drops their conversations, starts cheering for him. And Sean Kennedy, who's one of the, one of the Savvy Moffitt field foundation guys grabs the microphone and says the first foundry field home run. And it was such a, it was such a great moment. And then I came to find out from, from the boy's aunt who he lives with right there, right there near the project. He's 10 years old. And two days before this, he had, he didn't even know what baseball was. There had been there had been a, uh, a film crew out there filming a promo for the project, and they had gloves and bats. And he just wandered out and was asking him, "Hey, what's this?" Pointing to the baseball bat, and how do you play baseball? And so they got him involved playing with some other kids out there for the film. And then he's there at the at the project. He's never played baseball in his life, never watched it. And by the end of the year, his aunt told me, you know, well, now I've I bought him a glove. I've got him a bat. He's ready. He wants he wants to play. You know, he that's can't great. wait for this to be here. And that's just one little example. But you just think like if if it was accessible for people, how different would it be? How different could it be? Yeah. And I 
I like the idea that this isn't a this isn't a project that's trying to change the world. It's just trying to right here where we can be shepherds of it. What can what can we do to kind of create a a, a healthy culture around baseball for people? You know? Absolutely. And so where like where is the the stage of the project right now, the foundry field. I think that I, I, I read uh, that phase one is complete. Phases two and three are kind of still, yep. you know, on, on the horizon. Are, are they still trying to raise funds for that aspect of it? Where exactly is everything? Or is yeah. It right so, so, the, so they are still, they are still going to be raising funds for phase two and phase three. Um, but phase one is, is complete. Phase one, they, they, they completed by the end of last year. Part of that was a matching grant that they got through a, through a state building uh, places foundation. Um, but phase one includes um, basically the field itself, um, uh, the backstop, uh, and then a little bit of phase two that they've got is the first, first mural. Okay. Um, but they, so they'll, they'll, the first mural is going to be painted in about a month's time. They've got a groundbreaking event on on site happening on on May twelfth, uh, um, and so that's when they're going to kind of start construction on the field. Hopefully, at some point next year, I think by the by 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 next fall, maybe um, the the field will be playable. Um, and then uh, and then phase two is where a lot of the the additional really neat stuff comes in. I think a lot of the murals. Uh, a, a vintage style scoreboard, a living hedge outfield wall and right field. And then I think, I'm, I'm, I can't remember phase two or phase three, but one of them is going to be a vintage style covered grandstand for people to come and watch okay. games. Um, so, so it's all those, all those extra touches that are going to make it, you know, a really cool ballpark that will be happening in phase two and three. And so those, those funding campaigns will be going. You know, Absolutely. And yeah. there's a website, foundryfield.org, and the artist renderings and a lot of other information is on that website for, mm -hmm. for people who are interested, you know, in, in any of that, whether it's donating or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, I assume. So yep, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great stuff, Nick. Yeah. I, I wanted to read just a little bit more from your <laughs> okay. article. All right. Go, yeah, go for it. Oh, the pleasure of fielding a ground ball. The unconscious calculus of feet, hands, angles, the ball skipping along its low vector. Sometimes I swear I can feel the ball in the ground through the soles of my spikes. Today I range on legs grown sluggish with eggs and sloth. But this, I remember now, was maybe my favorite thing to do in life ever. And the infield clay is the same moon dust hue as the dry surface beneath the Rocky Mountains were long ago, my father hit me fungos. How is that possible? Or is my memory true? And does it matter? I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm getting chills just sitting here thinking about that. Just the, the visualization and all the, the feels that I feel right. Have you thought about, and, and I may have asked you this last time, but did you, did you read like Roger Angel? Have you ever read his stuff growing yeah. up? Yeah, like I like yeah. It, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like there are there are plenty of guys who can sit at a baseball game and write a recap or, you know, write about baseball or whatever. But I, I feel like I feel like baseball needs more Nick Maneri. Right now. <laughs> I'm just I'm just telling you, I'm just thank telling you. you. Yeah, it thank is, you. It's, it's, it's really it really is. You know, like it reminds me, you know, of like 
if you ever read, um, what was the piece called? The Web of the Game. It was the one, it was a Roger Angel piece where he showed up uh, to a college baseball game where Frank Viola and St. John's were taking on Ron Darling and Yale one day. And Smoking Joe Wood is in the stands at this game. And it's like, reading this piece reminded me of that. Just, just like the feel of being there. It's it's just a great piece. I I, I, I really that's a that's a that's a that's an incredible compliment. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Did you by the way, did you again I think I saw this on Twitter, did you go to the World Baseball Classic? Were you doing some work there? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I went out there um to write a story that hopefully I I don't know this is for a different magazine. I'm not sure when it's gonna be out yet, um, but I've turned it in. Um and I'll I'll be sure to put that out there once okay. I know. Once I know it's coming out, but I, I went out there actually to to write a story about our old buddy John Axford. Um, oh, who, uh, yeah, who was who was teammate of mine at, at Notre Dame, right? Um, and longtime major league reliever and kind of all time great guy and great character. Um, uh, but he uh, he was kind of making the final comeback of his career to pitch for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. So I went out there to to follow him around and write a story about that. So hopefully, hopefully that'll, that'll, that'll see the light of day here sometime soon. I'll be sure to put it out there. I didn't realize he was doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. great. It was great. It was, I was really happy for him. You know, yeah. he had, he's, he's a good, he, he, he's an awesome guy. Um, had a great career and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if you remember, but he had had sort of his last comeback and was in the big leagues again with the Brewers um, a couple of years ago. And, uh, and in his, his first outing blew out his elbow, you know, again right. for the second time in his career. So this was the comeback from that. Can I, can I do it one more time? And one more comeback. Yeah. All right. Well, how did it go? I, I can, can you like, yeah, yeah. Go no, okay it, for him or. Yeah, no, he had a, he had a great moment. He had a, yeah, he had okay, a couple good. great outings and it was, I think it went perfect, you know, and his, his whole family was there. He had 16 family members there. Um, and uh, it was really, really a special moment for him. You know, that's and, excellent. And Team Canada went into the last day of their pool, uh, and it was either them or Mexico were going to advance, and they lost. They lost to Mexico. Mexico obviously that, advanced yeah. in that last game. Yeah, but it was really, it's a really fun event. You know, it, it, the World Baseball Classic is something I've not paid especially close attention to over the years, over the time in the times that it's happened. But it was, it was really a lot of fun, and and uh, and then I think everybody kind of followed the the finals really closely because they were so fun. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This is like my season of of getting reconnected to the game of baseball and that's great. Up with it all over again. Yeah. Well, I hope we I hope we keep seeing more. Like I said, <laughs> yeah. I hope Thanks, we keep Sean. seeing more. The summer <laughs> gives you plenty of time. I hope to do some of that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, so, you know how it is, man. If you're gonna if you're gonna write, you just got to find the time to do it. You know. That's right. Go find yourself a little place on Cape Cod and <laughs> yeah. spend some time out there. Like that's the perfect use of your summer, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you get any leads on that, let me know. I'll be oh, yeah, I know, because yeah. it's like it's. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's really cheap to do that. Too. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, Nick. It was great catching up to you or catching up with you. I appreciate it. And again, Foundry Field dot org is where folks can go if you want to find out more about the Foundry League and. And it uh, sounds like a lot of fun. I hope, I hope uh, you and Steve, I can't imagine that Steve is hitting much below a thousand, you know, like, Steve. like you said, just with the way things work. So yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve's incredible. He's still, he, he, 
he looks he, he looks the same to me as he ever as he ever did you know he, he, yep. he doesn't think so but i think so <laughs> that's, that's right all right take care thanks again nick sean thanks so much man Thank mm-hmm. you.